Welcome to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greenwood, Mississippi. We are a community of Christians that exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ and influence the Delta for the glory of God. More information about Westminster can be found at www.wpcgreenwood.org. Thank the blockers for taking, taking care of our kids and teaching them. Um, as everybody's uh, kind of transitioning right now, I want to uh, encourage you to look in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12, 22 through 34. Of course, you can read along there in your bulletin as well. Uh, continue our, season, our time through the book of Luke. Uh, this is uh, part 52. You know, the, it's been said that there's, there's nothing like the gospel message uh, because the gospel has the power to afflict the, the comfortable um, while at the same time comforting the afflicted. It, it humbles us to the dust and at the same time it raises us up to, to soar on the wings of eagles. Um, and in few places, we see that we see both of those elements um, on as full of display as our passage this morning. And I mean, as we read this, this passage is a roller coaster of conviction and then comfort and then dread and then hope. But this passage is also Jesus' masterclass on how to follow him in the face of one of the most debilitating realities we experience as fallen humans. It's how do we approach worry and anxiety? You know, how, how do we process through that as his people? Um, and fair warning, you know, before we start, I, I'm really, all week as I've been working through this, I'm, I'm trying not to project my own experience onto everyone um, because I know not everyone is wired like me. I found out this past week that my brother and sister-in-law never worry, like just never worry. Um, but this is a pretty immensely personal to me. Um, you know, by God's grace, I, I haven't really been so far plagued so much by greed or, or really discontentment. Um, but the locust of anxiety and worry, um, ha I mean, have eaten away literally probably 25 years of my life. Um, you know, some of my earliest memories, probably shared this, some of my earliest memories aren't of like opening Christmas presents and being excited. They aren't like being joyful like, you know, some kids. Now, some of my earliest memories are of worrying about something. It's feeling deep down that something's not right. I was the, the, the six-year-old worry ward in the back seat and my stomach all in knots stressing over whether we had enough gas to get where we're going. And I, Do we have enough gas, Dad? Uh, we're going to make it. And I wore my parents out, wore myself out. And now, uh, thankfully, my wife has broken me uh, of that, that fear just by sheer exposure therapy. Um, I don't know if anybody else can relate to this, but it seems like every time I get in her car, the gas light is on, right? And I'm like, Annie, what, what would you do if I didn't occasionally drive your car, you know? Um, so that said, if, if I just went my natural way, and some of y'all know this about me. Um, like I would be hell-bent on stewing and worrying and overthinking and obsessing. But, but by the sheer grace of God, um, the Spirit uh, and the Spirit continually impressing the beauty of the gospel of Jesus in me, especially over the past, I would say, three years, I, I've become to experience some of what Jesus uh, meant when he said, that he has come to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, uh, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. 
Well, so when we come to this very common struggle, and look, it's so common that as you know, Trey read this morning, both Peter and Paul talk about what do we do with anxieties and worries. And when we come to this, Jesus pops the hood and shows us really that apart from him, worry and anxiety is the way of the world. Uh, that if we, if we lean our ladder on a wobbly wall, of course we're going to be anxious, right? I mean, we would do well to worry about that. And, and actually, we need to let that worry be a sign to us that worry is a byproduct of seeking rest in places and things where rest cannot be found. You know, worry is a, a byproduct of unbelief in God. And so as Jesus teaches this morning, and as we, hopefully we take this moment to kind of take inventory of our own lives, he's really forcing the question, it's, do we actually believe this? Like, really believe it? Uh, do, do we truly believe that God is sovereign over all things in our life? Uh, do we truly believe that in Christ, God really calls us children? Uh, do we really believe that God is our good, good father? Or are, are, we just, are we just kind of play in church? Um, do our incessant worry and anxieties really kind of betray or, or reveal what we truly believe? And so with all that, um, what is the way forward for the anxious? Um, how do we have freedom from fear? And what does the gospel have to say to the worried? Well, let's, let's read... And let's find out, shall we? Luke chapter 12, 22 through 34. And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life and what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap, they, neither store, they, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And of which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for look, all the nations of the world seek after those things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom. And these things, all these things we've been talking about, will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is God's word. Let's pray quick. Father, we thank you for your word. Um, may it be a light to us. 
maybe a, a call that, that brings us back off the ledge. So Spirit, speak. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So you know, Jesus' original hearers uh, were worried about food. They're worried about clothing. They're worried about their body because they, in this time, it was a hand-to-mouth society. They didn't know if they would have enough. And today, uh, you know, we're, we're basically still worried about a lot of these same things just for different reasons. You know, in our, our culture of, of fitness and foodies and fashionistas, uh, we're tempted to worry not if we're going to have enough, but if we will be enough, right? And, and so everything Jesus said is really very applicable to us today, though you have to wonder if Jesus were to come in and talk to us today what he might say about our especially neurotic culture, right? Uh, we, li we live in an age of worry. Worry, worry, worry. In his book, Live Not By Lies, Rod Dreher writes, During the past decade or so, since the invention of the smartphone and social media, we have gained a great deal of knowledge about how people, teenagers and young adults mostly, create Instagrammable lives for themselves. That is, they say and do things, including sharing intensely personal information to construct an image of a life that strikes their peers, whether they know them personally or not, as appealing or desirable. They live for the approval of others represented by likes, comments. Okay, well, he continues, what has that created? Well, psychologist Gene Twinge says, since the age of social media, we're seeing an astonishing rise of depression and suicide. Uh, she describes us as being on the brink of the worst mental, crisis, mental health crisis in decades. Um, smartphone culture has radically increased the social anxiety we experience. As information coming through our phones convinces us that we're being left out of the more exciting lives uh, that others are having. Uh, that, that we're just not enough. And then Dreher uh, remarks kind of snarkily, of course, most of them aren't having more vivid or intense lives. Uh, they're just better at curating their images online. We, we, we could talk about the root of anxiety and why we're all you know, fearful or worried all morning, but I think we, we deep down we know, right? The gospel tells us really the root of all this. It's as our misunderstanding of the gospel increases, so does our worry, right? Uh, it's not a coincidence that as the level of unbelief has risen in our country, so has anxiety. And so re regardless of where we are, um, we need gospel clarity today more than maybe ever before. And all of it hinges really on one question, and it's not, are you enough? Are you enough? But it is, is Jesus really enough? Is, is Jesus enough? Or do we kind of need to help him out? And so to answer that question, Jesus invites us to remember the reality of our gracious God. To remember. Uh, Jesus didn't say, uh, look, okay, you know worry is a sin, right? Like we know that, right? Worry is a sin, so just stop it. It's as easy as that. No, Jesus took a different tag. Jesus went about um, restoring our, our anxiety and our worry, and giving, giving us a different story to tell ourselves about anxiety and worry. Uh, so as, as one pastor said, if you can imagine this, um, how comforting would it be if tonight when you went to bed, an angel visited you, just right there in your bedroom, 
And, and after getting over the initial shock of an angel is in my bedroom, all the angel said was, God knows. God knows. I mean, couldn't that bring you almost immediate comfort? Well, Westminster, this morning, we have something better than an angel. Uh, we have the Word of God Himself, Jesus, telling us that our Heavenly Father knows. Like, I, I know that y'all are worried about many things, but He knows about the difficult marriage. And He knows about your fear of man. He knows about the diagnosis. He knows about that prodigal son or daughter that you're worried sick over. He knows about all the drama you experience at school. Uh, he knows the causes of our broken heart. And, and he knows exactly what we need. But he doesn't just say that. Rather, Jesus, as a, the master teacher that he is, instead of just saying it, he gives us a sign to ponder that would be a daily, continual reminder of that reality that God knows. He says, when you're worried, when you're anxious, when you're freaking out, verse 24, consider the ravens. <laughs> I know to some of us, like Delta men, we're like, what? Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them of how much more value are you than the birds? Skip down to verse 27. Consider the, the flowers, the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory are not arrayed like one of these. If God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow, it's, it's, not, like it's worthless. It's thrown in the oven. How much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. And so when, when we're tempted to worry, um, Jesus really calls us to be very inten to intentionally slow down and really to ponder some things that we see uh, in this world. You know, you know, it's interesting. Do you remember when, when Noah and his family were on the ark back in Genesis, right? And they were trying to decide, get ready, if it was time for them to return to the land to finally get off the ark. Do you remember what they did? Remember Noah sent out at first a raven, then he sent out some doves. He sent out birds, right? Um, he sent out a bird because if, if the bird could survive, that meant that his family could survive. And that last dove not coming back told Noah that, you know what, everything's going to be okay. It was a sign to him that God was making a way uh, for them to be okay. When the same way Jesus is calling us to look at the birds, and in the Delta we've got birds everywhere, which is good, right? Because we need this reminder to be with us everywhere. He's like, let that bird be a sign to you that if God's got that bird then you can know that if you are in Christ, that God has got you too. And so to this, Martin Luther said, it seems that the birds and flowers make us blush and become our teachers. He said, thank you, flowers, you who are to be devoured by the cows. God has exalted you very highly that you become our masters and teachers. And so I love this, that special revelation that as we understand the gospel, that actually makes natural revelation or creation, it makes it pop even more. You know, not only are they just, you know, not only are we just now looking at a bird, but that bird is telling us something about God's care for us. And so, like, if, if you really slow down long enough to, I mean, really look at something like a tiger moon lily or an orchid 
or an iris or a this is a white rose um, you, you start to see right that that anybody can see <laughs> that, that like Louis Vuitton and Gucci and like George, the, the great Georgia O'Keeffe like, has nothing on just the beauty of a simple flower and Jesus says if God puts that much care into a flower like how much how much more care how much more can you trust him to care for you and, and now now obviously you know we can take this to the extreme the whole like let go let God type goat thing Jesus isn't calling us to fatalism he's not calling us to be lazy um, you know in Proverbs remember we're, we're told to watch the ant right see how the ant prepares for the future gets ready for winter um, you know, we see in Proverbs 31, we find this, this woman who, man, she's killing it, right? She's in the business world. She's out in the marketplace. She's in the household, and she's making provision for her family. And so trusting God and not worrying doesn't mean that we don't care. You know, God calls us to be concerned about some things. Um, God wants us to use our gifts, you know, to use our talents. Um, God calls us... To, to dominate the earth, to, to dominate the farm, the classroom, our profession for his glory. But, but Jesus is saying, after we've done what he calls us to do, we don't have to sit around and worry about the future. Um, why? Well, because when it comes to God's creation, he said, like, we're the bell of the ball, right? When, when God sent his son to live and die on the cross to rescue and, and save us, or save his people, like, he didn't send Jesus in the form of a bird or a flower. No, he sent our hero in the form of a man because we and we only are made in the image of God. And so as much as God cares for birds and he cares for flowers and he does care, like, he cares for you infinitely more. And so when you're worried, consider the birds. Consider the flowers and how they shout God's gracious faithfulness to us do you believe that God made the world I mean do you actually believe that if you believe that God made the world and he made you then you can look at the birds and you can look at the flowers and you can know that you you don't have to be anxious second uh, Jesus wants us to see just really the powerless nature of worry he's just bringing us a reminder like this is what worry is um, it's just weak, you know, it's, it's like Auburn, right? It's like Auburn this past year, it's just, it's got, it's weak. It's got nothing. Someone said that worrying is like sitting in a rocking chair. It, it gives you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere at all, right? Uh, it, it, I mean, worry and anxiety, it accomplishes nothing. Verse 25, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to their life? You know, in Matthew, Jesus concluded his teaching with this. He said, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. <laughs> and so if, if you think about it, aren't all worries, you can kind of break it down to, into tomorrow worries, that, that worry is doubting today that God's grace will be with us tomorrow. So Jesus is, he's identifying a particular subset of worry that psychologists today would call anticipatory anxiety. Okay? Um, and it's a torturous form of anxiety. Um, they, they call it bleeding before you're cut. Uh, it's the fear that something bad might happen in the future. Um, 
And, and you, when you get to that point in the future, you won't be able to handle it. You will be afraid. You will be worried then. And so you worry about being worried then. It's, it's the fear of potential future. Uh, it's, it's the fear of potential future fear. Uh, so to this, Mark Twain, he quipped, uh, just nailed it when he said, I have had many troubles in my life, most of which I have never experienced. Um, isn't that so true? Right? Um, George MacDonald said, No man ever sank under the burden of the day. It is when tomorrow's burden is added to the burden of the day that the weight is more than we can bear. And this is where God, he calls us to remember the gospel promises. That God is the same. Like he's totally the same. Yesterday and today and into the future, always. And that God exists outside of time, which means whatever trouble our, our future holds, God is already there. And when you get there, his grace will be waiting for you. Like, he's been waiting for you. Right there. And so the God of the universe says, it's totally powerless. You can't, you can't worry yourselves to life. Though, however, you could argue that there is evidence that you can worry yourself to death. Um, I've got a, uh, not my grandfather, but my mom's side, we call him Paul Paul, a uh, man who he, I mean, he's, there was other issues of why he died, but he basically worried himself to death. Um, retired early because of his nerves. Um, Dr. Charles Mayo of the famed uh, Mayo Clinic wrote, worry affects circulation, it affects our heart, our glands, our whole nervous system. He said, I've never met a man or known a man to die of overwork, but I have known a lot who died of worry. Well, the wages of sin is always death, isn't it? Then also, as we mentioned, Jesus, uh, Jesus reminds us that worry is godless. It's godless. Verse 30, Jesus said, look, that's what the world does. That's what the pagans do. They seek life in all these things that aren't life. And as a result, they worry. And Jesus is saying, when you're worried and you can't move on, here's just the reality. You are actively living like people who don't have a good and gracious father. And we experience gospel amnesia all the time. And we forget that we're adopted and beloved by the creator. And we, we forget that we are cosmically safe in the only way that truly matters. And so when we worry, we have a, a very real opportunity to stop and ask, okay, what shifting sand am I seeking life in? Am I standing on that's causing me to worry? Because that, I mean, that's an opportunity to repent, right? Um, several years ago, <clears throat> Sophie and Langdon Dykstra House were discussing life, and, and Sophie said, Langdon, I want to be God. Right? Just like kids say. We say that sometimes too, I guess. And young Langdon, the more theologically, by far, theologically savvy of the two, said, Sophie, you can't be God, silly. And then proceeded to give this like full creedal confession of why not. And then he added for emphasis in the end, besides, you'd have to be born in a really stinky barn. Right? <laughs> to which Sophie said, after thinking, he said, okay, I don't want to be God. You know, the reason we worry, the reason I worry, is because deep down we want control. We love control. Uh, deep down we want to be God. But the path, as Jesus is saying, is the path to freedom from worry is completely accepting what Langdon said. You can't be God, silly. And so worry is an opportunity to turn and to seek the true God. 
We find that worry is an emotion that comes from our devotion. You know, the, the shakiness of our devotion increases more worry in us, right? And so as the, the sturdiness of our devotion changes, our worry goes down. And so to kill worry, Jesus gives us this simple call, verse 31. Instead of seeking after all this stuff, seek God's kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. Seek God's kingdom, and everything else will be sorted out. Y'all have probably seen, have y'all seen the cars that have like the, the car tag that, that says, um, uh, I'm a tither, or like, don't worry, my treasure's in heaven, type, type things. It, it's kind of this proclamation that because I have sought the kingdom, God has given me this nice Cadillac. And so this is a verse kind of in the um, Word of Faith movement that's taken, I mean, significantly out of context that says if you seek the kingdom, then God's going to give you, right? That, that's not really what, what's happening here. Is if we seek God's kingdom, he's going to change our hearts so that we don't worry about, like, God may bless you with a wonderful Bentley. I, he might, he might. But you know what, he might also just, he might bless you with the fact that he's given you peace and he's given you joy in him. So seeking God's kingdom isn't geographical. It, it, it simply means to put your life beneath God's rule and reign in all areas of life. It, it's to live before his face and beneath his grace as a forgiven and loved child. Understanding that God has no interest in being your co-pilot. He's the king. He's Lord of all. And so when we're tempted to worry, one way we could seek God's kingdom is really simply just by praying. This isn't rocket science, right? It's, we could just pray the Lord's Prayer. It's pray, God, your will be done in my life. God, your will be done for my, my children, for my family. God, your will be done for my career. It's, Lord, pry my fingers away from my unhealthy love of many good things and help me to know and trust that come what may, you're good. Do you know how powerful it is to get to that point to where like, God, if you strike me with cancer, you, 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 though you slay me, yet I will trust that you're good. And that's a dangerous person, right? It's to pray, Lord, I've, I've whored after the shiny happies of the world and all it's gotten me is momentary pleasure at best, followed by just more anxious anxiety. But help me to hunger and thirst for you. Because it's only there, it's only beneath your smile will I be satisfied. Only there can I rest. And what's amazing is this isn't impossible. You know, God doesn't just say, look, if you, okay, if you seek me perfectly and you do more and you try harder, then maybe you'll notice an uptick in you know, kind of how you do life. No, the very thing that God calls us to seek is also the very thing he delights to give. And so instead of worrying about tomorrow, seeking God's kingdom means plugging into, look, what's, what's God doing today? What about just revel in his grace to you today? And, and as we do that, the Spirit will, will begin something strange in our lives. We'll start seeing ourselves experiencing what Paul called the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. It, it'll be really hard to explain because often nothing may have changed in our lives. You know, though, though our circumstances may not have changed, something colossal will have changed in our hearts. <laughs> there will still be trouble. 
In our fallen world, there will still be hardship and challenges. There will still be things that scream, you need to be worried about this. Why are you not more worried? But by God's grace, they get eclipsed by the beauty of Jesus. And they won't worry as like they used to. And you can't really explain it because you know you need to be worried about that. But you're just not. And so at some point, you'll look up one day and you can't explain it, but God's sovereign care for you has diminished your worries and given you peace. I mean, having tasted that, our heart experiences an entirely new economy. And we find ourselves not following Christ out of like this superstitious anxiety that we got to do this and we got to do that and we got to keep up. Um, but no, in peace, we respond with supernatural trust that really defies understanding. And that's the transforming gospel. <laughs> To the worried. And so with that, let, let's end how Jesus ended with this. This is the summary statement. It's a beautiful verse. He says, Fear not, little flock. Well, why do we not need to fear? Because it is your Father's good pleasure to give you what isn't shaky and what isn't fleeting, but rather what is true rest and what is true peace. He says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, in, in a world and uh, in a social media feed and on the news media uh, that says we need to be worried, we need to be worried, we need to be worried, we need to be anxious. Um, Lord, even living in a world in which our identity as your beloved children is sometimes we forget and we fear man and we really want to be something else um, Lord teach us the gospel uh, Lord apply your gospel of grace and peace to our heart and uh, may it free us uh, to live as your beloved children uh, Lord may we, we heed the call uh, to think about your faithfulness to consider the birds consider the lilies uh, and not waste our time worrying we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Hi, Richard Owens here. I just wanted to take a second to say thank you for listening to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church. Our prayer is that the Lord would use this message to encourage you in the gospel and that you would find Jesus to be more beautiful than you ever, ever imagined. If you'd like to find out more about who Jesus is or more about our church, I invite you to visit our website at wpcgreenwood.org. God bless.